Honest, open, and vulnerable may contain adult language and material that is not suitable for listeners under 18. This is a stream of consciousness podcast that delves into an eclectic mix of topics. Audience discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 164 of Honest, Open, and Vulnerable. I'm Scarlett. I'm Matthew. And I'm Ryan. Uh, We definitely encourage uh, participation and feedback and comment and whatnot. Um, Easy way to do that is post a comment on our website, hovpodcast.net. You can also find find me on Instagram at Colonel underscore Tux. That's K-E-R-N-E-L underscore T-U-X. You can also reach us through email, hovpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Matthew Scribbles. And you can find us on Instagram at hovpodcast. Um, you can find my blog. Um, it's a work in progress, but uh, you can go to the Fuchsia Letters dot blogspot dot com. And that Fuchsia is F-U-C-H-I-A. And you can go find me on Instagram at InscarletStorm. And wherever you're uh, in, enjoy, enjoying this, uh, please uh, like, like, share, and subscribe. And uh, we're, we're com- coming at you from uh, Spooky Studios. Don't encourage the technology <laughs> gods to, get, to mess with us. Don't encourage them. Well, we could always leave the cold open untouched. <laughs> Yeah, that that was scary all on its own. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scary thing is, is I didn't even notice. <laughs> ne- I ne- noticed, I neither did I. I was going to catch it. <laughs> that would have been an easy fix, but still. Anyway. <laughs> So, but uh, we do like to start every, every uh, episode with our uh, moments of squee. Uh, what do you have, uh, Scarlett? I got kind of a weird one. Um, I got to thinking because I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing, so I'm doing a lot of reminiscing about my childhood. And I remember my 13th birthday. This is so, this is so corny. You got to go back old school. But my dad um, gave me my love of music. He really did. And, um, but he... <laughs> He found this record store that was going out of business. And so the year I turned 13, he, he went out of the room, he came back, he had a record and a tape, a cassette tape. I opened them. I was very happy. Thank you, Dad. Nope, he left the room, came back. Record, CD, or uh, record and cassette. Did it 13 times. And so that was kind of his way of saying, hey, you know, but the music that he chose, it was all it was all like religious music, so don't get me wrong. But it was like Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, who were really big in in, in the day. Um, Servant, which which was from the '60s, they did this really weird album, like these hippies on a beach with. They're all in suits, but they have bare feet, and it's just like they're big hippie music. Um, and then you see them 20 years later in the '80s. They did an album called um, Light Maneuvers, totally different with all these weird, you know, the, the, well, the 80s. Come on, it was the 80s. 
And um, so a lot, I just got exposed to a lot of different music genres. And my dad did not know what he was doing. I mean, he literally just kind of went, hey, that looks cool. That looks good. That's good. Maybe you'd like that. Maybe, I mean, that's literally how he picked the music. But he ran across this guy, and I cannot say his last name. I'm not even going to try. He went by his first name. His name is Carmen. And Carmen had a huge influence on me as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult. Um, huge, huge. He went out of his way to make all of his concerts free. And we're talking thousands of people. Um, he made 35 music videos over the course of his 25 or 30 year music, uh, his, his career and his, his videos were very, um, elaborate and they told a story. He was a born storyteller. He started out as a club. He, he, he performed, he was a nightclub performer and his music just wasn't going anywhere. And so he'd made up his mind, fine, I'm just going to go and be a, I'm going to be an actor. Well, he had an opportunity. There was a big music, a Christian music convention here in Colorado. And he had an opportunity to go and kind of perform. And he was just going to do one or two songs. And he was kind of doing these goofy songs. He was doing these songs about, you know, Noah. And he was doing these, these goofy little songs about, you know, Noah and the Ark and stuff like that. And he was, he's, but there was one guy who was attending. His name was Bill Gaither. And he was like the biggest music mogul in Christian music history. And, if you, and, and he still is. He's still alive, but he wrote a lot of um, hymns. He's written a lot of, um, he's just, he was big. And um, he, he saw Carmen perform at this little convention and he went to him and he says, Hey, do you want to tour with, do you want to tour with my group? And of course you don't turn down Bill Gaither. You just don't. And so that's how he got his start. And um, the very first time I ever heard anything by him was I had an album that my dad had given me called The Champion. And there's a song and it's, it's mostly narrated. It's really not, it's with music, but it's really not him singing. It's him narrating the story. And basically it's this boxing match between the devil and Christ. And, um, just, and it's so well done that um, I watched the music video for the first time. I've never seen it. And it's all these really cool art about the universe and the and and angels and demons. And it's just really cool art. So I got to think, so I started watching some of his videos because I'd never actually sat down and watched his videos in probably years. So, <laughs> so I had sat down and I watched it. And the one that I really like, he was about 45 years old. He, he's Italian and it's very important for him to have his hair, but he didn't want to grow it out. And he was going to do this one video where he needed to have long hair. So he did hair weave and he says the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Cause he has this short hair and this very, he wore suits. I mean, he would have put Terry Crews to, to shame. I mean, he was always looking really good. He always had a suit. And here he is with this hair weave. And um, he said it was the most painful thing he's ever done. But the video is that he's a teacher, short hair. He's with the teacher. And he's teaching uh, 
religious history to these high schoolers. And this girl, this girl is daydreaming, and they're talking about this is the day of the big test. Pay attention. And she was, like, daydreaming, and he caught her. And so she came back to, okay, what are you talking about? And they were talking about the Crusades. They were talking about what was going on in medieval times for Christianity. And um, so they're supposed to be doing this test, and she starts daydreaming again. And she, and she imagines herself as being one of these prisoners and they take her to the grand inquisitor or whatever and there's a guy there and it's carmen and he's got his long hair pulled back and he he looks like he belongs in medieval times and basically he he is telling these religious leaders you know what screw you and your little dog i mean he really and so they they're going to behead him so he gets taken to the executioner, and they're like, do you have any last words? He says, yeah, I got it, last word. And he just starts spewing off um, his doctrine because they asked him, what is your doctrine? And basically he says, you know, God is, you know, God is God, and he's God alone, and he's sitting on the throne, and you're just, you're, you're a puppet of the devil, basically. What, you know? And so um, they go to execute him, and she throws him a big Bible because that was what he was talking about in class, how... The Bible is the sword, which is very symbolic in Christian mythos. And um, he turns into a crusader where he's like the white with the big cross, everything, and he's fighting. And it's just, it's a really well done video, but it's very elaborate. But it's telling a story while it's getting a message across. And um, I've always appreciated that about him. And um, in February of this year, he passed away, and he, it was two weeks after his 65th birthday. And um, he died. He had some routine surgery, and he died in recovery. But he um, he had cancer, and he went into remission. They told him, he said, "You know what? You have that long to live. You have maybe two years." And five years later, he was cancer free. <laughs> so he just so he he basically decided, okay, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. It's my time to die. It's my time to die. But he did. He went through chemo and he lost all his hair. And that was very traumatic from him. He was talking about how, you know, I'm Italian. I have to have my hair. And um, just talking about all that stuff. And it was just really, um, it was good to see him. I just, but I'm going to tell one little antidote about him is that he did, he worked with a guy named Mario Murillo. Mario Murillo is a televangelist. Okay. But he was preaching one day and this guy came up to him and said, look, um, you need to come see me. Um, I'm a Satanist and I want to talk to you. So he didn't think anything about it. He took his little card, stuck it in a pocket somewhere, didn't think about it. About a month later, he got a letter in the mail and this letter is bordered with flying bats and all this, you know, occultic stuff. And he opened it up and it basically said, you know, Here's a formal invitation. Come see me. I'm a warlock. Come see me. Let's talk. So basically he took it and he threw it in the trash. And as he's, he wadded it up and he threw it in the trash. And as it's making its arc into the trash can, he feels this little voice say, go. So he goes. Now, Carmen, when he heard this story, he, made, he sat down and he started writing this song called The Witch's Invitation. If you get a chance to watch it, just 
from a Halloween standpoint, it's awesome. But he um, basically he he goes and has this conversation with the witch, and the witch ends up throwing him out of his house because he gets really freaked out uh, by what he has to say. And um, but anyway, it just it made me smile. It just made me because it was such a big influence on my life when I was a teenager in particular and just kind of reliving some of that and and thinking about my dad and that one year when I turned 13 and that was one thing you know his sense of humor came out I definitely have inherited my dad's twisted sense of humor he just kept his mouth shut more than I ever have but um so anyway that that's my moment of squee What about you, Matthew? Well, I, for one, maybe I'm not alone, but I, for one, am relieved that fall has arrived and the changing of seasons is upon us, which means the leaves are turning a nice crimson color in my front yard. They're starting to come down. And... To my utter delight, the temperatures have finally began to be tolerable here. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. Yes. <laughs> and with it, the air quality has also begun to be more tolerable. Yes. As it has begun to decrease. So... I'm happy that fall is here because that means we can actually, for lack of a better term, enjoy weather for the sake of enjoyment instead of, in my case, hiding from it because (laughs) I don't do well in that type of dry heat. Yes, this is dry heat, but hot is hot when you're getting into the 100s. Regardless of where you live, yes, I, I and I have been in humid, muggy, mm-hmm. uh, ninety-plus degree weather. That's hellish in its own right, as we're talking about ghoulish and spooky things. <laughs> but there's all there's always something magical about the season of fall for me. It's my favorite season of the year, mm-hmm. and it's great to be able to. Put on, you know, put on a jacket and go on a nice brisk walk. And it's not it's not the same as a, a walk when you are coming out of winter and into spring because the, the air smells differently. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something coming from somebody who doesn't really have the best sense of smell. But you can tell that there's a different scent in the air and whether it's just that the there's that decay with the leaves falling to the ground or the air just smells cold or cooler and it doesn't feel like you're breathing in just hot air all the time it it has a different sense to it and it feels just i love the way that it feels i really do so my moment of squee here is the the arrival of fall and being able to enjoy that. I, I was able to uh, spend a little bit of time outside uh, 
walking walking our dog, and I actually got to spend that time with my mom, and that was part of it, being able to see her as well. That's also tied into this moment of squee, but being able to have that experience and go outside, enjoy, really enjoy mm-hmm. the weather, and still have it be a nice day where it's sunny outside and there's, uh, you know, it's not going to rain. It's not going to, you know, be, be terrible outside. You can actually be outside for more than 10 minutes at a time and still enjoy being outside instead of feeling like, Oh, I need to go inside and get something to drink because it's too hot outside. That just this whole experience of fall and, going into a new season summer's nice i won't you know i won't lie summer's great but fall because you get that change it's it's a different sensory experience where it's not about heat it's not about um anything that involves that it's it's that transition out and that is just something I've, I always look forward to when September rolls into October and we start getting into this time of year where it's like, yeah, give me some more of this. I saw pumpkin spice eggnog at Target <laughs> oh, boy. yesterday, which was kind of funny because I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen pumpkin spice eggnog. It's not something I would ever consider buying. As an eggnog. It's nasty, uh, just so you as, know. As someone who drinks eggnog, but for me, it's like, wow, we're really into the into the season of fall now. If they're making eggnog and, you know, jumping on the uh, pumpkin spice train here. So, yeah, fall is here and I'm happy. Well, that that <clears throat> that that was um, I I I I, def, I definitely uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna on on the on the same same page same page with 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 you, Matthew. It's 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 nice that you know I actually need a a jacket when I leave the house in the morning. <laughs> but um, my um, let's. I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of having a difficult, but, um, just, just cause it's, my life has just been so hectic the pe- the pe- the past few weeks, but, um, I, yeah, I, th- I think, um, I kind of feel like I'm doing something wrong because because I really really don't really don't have one. Um. Sometimes it's okay just to sit with what you feel, whether you put a name to it or not. I've noticed that you've been you just chill. You're not freaking out about anything. Okay. Okay. You know what? Now, now, um, now that you've been, um, I. A couple, uh, little over a week, a week ago, um, I kind of, I, I, with, I kind of have like this, this, 
weird uh, re- relationship with haircuts <laughs> like the like the the bar, the barometer i use is like that that hair that's on 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 the back of the neck kind of off off to the off to the si- side here um for for those wa- watching the you know on the uh, <laughs> but and anyway kind of like I'm, I'm trying to describe it the best way i can for those on the audio version that kind of on the ba- back of the neck just on the on the on on the so, just on the side it's like i when that starts when i can actually get some purchase there <laughs> then, I, then it's like okay it's time to get a haircut and for the past year and a half, I've been doing it myself for, you know, for, for good reason, because, you know, quarantine. And for the first time since, since, la- since last March, my, my, my anxiety of going in into a hair salon is lower than my frustration of cutting my own hair. That's a huge thing for you. So, yeah, I mean, for, I mean, I've been, I've been cutting my own hair for the last, for the last year and a half because of, you know, some, because some Rona and with, uh, I mean, we, now I, I would I would say we have like om- almost a year of like of uh, enculturation with all with all of these like different different like safe safety measures as far as like you know six you know six six feet or two meters if you're anywhere else in, besides the U.S. <laughs> D- distance and, you know, and that, and that kind of thing. And pl- plus with uh, the the vaccination rate still kind of on the been in, increasing. And, and, and so, you know, I've been feel I've 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 just felt felt that you know more more and more people are just kind of like uh, like accepting like okay this thing's gonna stick around we gotta we you know we gotta make make sure we you know do do all do all of these things and it was just it just um the the uncertainty in the situation has has been uh decreasing and so it was just uh i had to pause like little and it was like and kind of like look at myself in the mirror figuratively speaking and and it was like you know what yeah i i do i you know i i i don't have like as much as much anxiety about a about this than uh i did i did before so um i so yeah so that so that was my uh moment of squee so see you didn't even know you had a moment of squee (laughs) okay we're there we go okay sorry we had had some audio issues but um and on the so on this episode is scarlet's turn to speak Yep. <laughs> Boy, you might as well buckle up. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this really short. 
Um, I've been dealing with the insurance industry and it's all shit, by the way. Um, I've been denied inhalers that I've, I have to have every day and they want me to pay $400 a month. Um, so basically I got so disgusted. I mean, we tried several times, several ways. And finally I got so disgusted. I said, okay, oh, well, if I die, I die. Cause I'm just not, I'm not going to screw with you anymore. And then they turned down, um, a couple of, uh, medications my doctor suggested so that it, my metabolism would kind of get jump-started. I've lost 20 pounds in the last year, but I have at least double that, probably triple when you're really looking at it. Um, probably not quite that much, but I just really, I'm, I'm really frustrated with that. So my pulmonary specialist, what we're doing is we're trying to build a case so that my insurance will pay for some sort of assistance there. But I needed to go to a neurologist because I've been having these horrible migraines. I had seven of them in nine days where it, it was debilitating, where I could hardly work. Um, I, did, I think I missed a couple of days of work, but I managed to just make myself work in a dark room. Um, that's what I had to do. And it was just really frustrating. So I went to the doctor, I went to my regular doctor and she said, let's get you to a neurologist because I haven't been to a neurologist since 2017 where they did a, um, I was missing parts of my memory. Like I'd be talking to you, I'd forget what a chair was called. Um, I was forgetting nouns and it was just, it, my brain was definitely hiccuping. So um, they did a, they figured out it must have been the medication I was taking. I was taking um, an anti-anxiety medication that probably was not the best. It wasn't the best option for me. Um, so we changed some things, and now I'm on different medication, and it seems to be working. But um, we had to add a medication because one of one of my medications that I have to have. Um, they had to bump up the, the, uh, dosage. And then I started getting tremors. I thought I was, I thought I had Parkinson's. It was so bad. And I went and my psychiatrist kind of laughed at me and she says, no, it's the medication. So I'm going to give you this other medication that's going to counteract the side effects of this other medication. But you're probably going to have a pharmacist look at you weird because these are polar opposites of one another. They're going to almost cancel each other out and yet give you what you need. So it was just kind of, that was a trip. But insurance did not flinch at that. Um, I can pay for my, I can pay for all my medications minus my inhalers out of pocket. No problem. I've done it before because I'm an idiot and misplaced them. Um, stuff like that happens, but, uh, the, now they're refusing to send me to a neurologist, even though my dad was nine years older than I am now when he died from a brain tumor and it started with migraines. I'm having these horrible migraines and they won't let me go see a neurologist. Does that make any fucking sense to you? Cause it doesn't to me. So I'm looking for other insurance. I know that there, um, there's a nonprofit um, called Altura Health, 
and I have not looked into them yet, but they are a nonprofit that work with low-income people to either supplement their current insurance or get them better insurance that covers their needs. And it doesn't matter if you have pre-existing conditions. So I'm going to check them out. Um, I'm just, I'm really frustrated and I'm really disgusted with the insurance industry in general. Um, and the pharmaceutical, it's, it's a broken system. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about this before we were recording. I was talking about, you know, there's a reason why I'm not in law enforcement anymore because the system in law enforcement is no better. Um, private, uh, we can talk about this for days, and I'm not going to do that, but privatized um, institutions versus public trans, uh, institutions. Huge difference. The recidivism rate in a private prison is 80% or more. In a, now in a, in a public prison or a publicly funded prison, it's not much better. It's 60%, 65, something like that. So there's a, there's a high recidivism rate either way, but it's, it's significantly higher in those privatized prisons. And it's all about, especially ha specifically halfway houses, because how it's supposed to work is it's in, you know, you go to the judge, you make this request, it's in lieu of prison. You're gonna, you sign a contract stating, I'm gonna live by these rules. If I violate these rules, I go right back to prison. So it's a voluntary program. It's for non, it's usually nonviolent offenders, um, but sometimes it's sex offenders, which is a whole nother thing, because in Colorado, it's very easy to be labeled a sex offender when you have not really committed a crime, in my opinion. Um, so th there's a lot of that, and then there's a lot of, of course, drug-related offenses that are nonviolent. And so um, seeing that is how it's supposed to work you're supposed to go into this, you're supposed to go into a halfway house. It's a residential program. You're supposed to get treatment and education. If you don't have your GED, they help you get your GED. If you want to have further education, they make a way for you to have further education. Um, it's just, it, that's how it's supposed to work. How it really works is, hey, bottom line, money, 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 money. I was a female guard in a male halfway house, and the reason why is because they also it was a private it was a private it's a private facility, and what they did is they did drug testing, twenty four seven, um, male and female. So you always had a female on on duty so that you could go and do a drug test if you needed to, and um, it was just it was all about the bottom line, because they were making anywhere from 30 to $50 per test. And some of those people were having to test multiple times in a week. And they had to pay out of pocket. It was part of their agreement for being on probation. Um, I know that when Peter had his little incident, and we won't talk about it, it's a very long story, um, they made him, they, they would call him in the middle, he, he had to call, and he had to call like a certain time, and he was told if he had to come in or not. Um, but it could be at two in the morning. It could be at, you know, midnight. It could be, it, it's at all hours. And so, um, you had to have, you had to have a female on duty. 
and it's all about the bottom line is money, money, money. And it's disgusting. But my whole point is the system is what's broken. Um, the system is broken both in law enforcement and in the medical field. And the reason why is because it's all designed by people. And people are not infallible. And they create these systems that also are not infallible. So that's my rant. I just really hate the industry right now. And now somebody else can put their input. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that any of us either have a story that is our own personally, or we know somebody who's had some sort of struggle with something insurance related. Mm-hmm. It could be for any reason. One would think that it should be a lot simpler than this process is. And it's always hard when The simple, the simplest way is still littered with obstruction and roadblocks because of other interests, whether they're business interests, legal interests, moneyed interests, political interests. Uh, stockholder interests. Uh, All of that clogs up the very basic premise of someone being able to have a program that can, at its word, ensure them to be covered for a set of costs. That's why we buy this. That's why we pay into this. It's to actually use it. And there's too many obstructionary obstacles preventing us from using what we're paying for. Yep. If we had, we'll just, we'll just use our TV because I just happen to be staring at mine right now. If we were trying to watch TV and we had to, and we got a pop-up message on our TV saying, you're only allowed to watch 80% of the TV show that you were going to watch because it's all you're covered for. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. Would anybody ever own a television set if they only could watch 80% of a program? Which 80% do I get? Yeah. The right. first 80% or the last 80%? Right. And does that 80% include the advertising that's bundled into that program? Hmm. It, it, it's it's just the absurdity and that's mm-hmm. a term I've used countless times on this podcast mm-hmm. it's the absurdity of just trying to take a very simple course of action and having it be littered with all of these uh, unnecessary 
steps. We are doing something very wrong when mm -hmm. we can turn on our TV and watch a full 60-minute show or our streaming app of our choosing watch a full 60-minute show. Point A to point B, done for a certain cost per month. That's really straightforward. You can get a month of streaming for whatever it is. You know what you're buying. You pay several times more than that just so you can go and get a routine checkup. But if something happens with that checkup, oh, well, we have to make sure that that is covered in your plan. I'm here for a checkup. The checkup's <laughs> covered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. why, why is this more difficult than it should be? Did you read the fine prints? <laughs> Who does? What? <laughs> Why? Why? What gets me is I'm looking at my benefit. I was looking at my, because I always get a breakdown of what my check is going to be. And I'm looking at it and 17% of every one of my checks goes to benefits. What benefits? I don't, I don't get it. It just it's the benefit of paying that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I guess. I end up paying like $300 a month. For what? For stuff that I can't even get. And I need. I'm supposed to have this inhaler every damn day because of COPD. And I can't get it. So am I playing Russian roulette every day? And I'm wheezing. And I'm, I have a rescue inhaler that I end up using every day, which is not good for you. But it's better than nothing. I just we were talking think. about this before we started about uh, the, the search for um, for dentists, yep. mm -hmm. and I've I have had to have mentioned it on at least one of the episodes we've done over the course of the last four months because I've seen my dentist probably a half dozen times since then. And my benefit plan is supposed to do a whole bunch of things for me as part of my coverage for dent from de my dental coverage. I pay X amount of money to get these services. So when I have to come and pay for my bill, well, we have to, we got, you're covered for X percentage of this procedure and we have to do this. Will this be on a debit or a credit card? Is the benefit the fact that I am paying less money for these services because my insurance is allegedly covering this money? I'm still paying for this. Right. I'm yeah. not getting something for free. It is still a payment to my <laughs> dental coverage to allow them to say, okay. We don't cover that. You get <laughs> this service. Right. It's still paying for something. It's ridiculous. And it's just, it, it, like I said, it's the system that's broken. And it doesn't matter what system it is, it's made up of people. So it's got cracks in it for sure. Yeah. 
how, 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 how about we kind of light, lighten up the <laughs> con- conversation here and talk about talk about something that we've been meaning to talk about for a while? It's not like <laughs> we're pulling teeth around here. <laughs> but yes, last last month, uh, Matthew uh, ten, ten, attended uh, NDK, which is. Uh, anime convention convention here in denver and uh, i'm i'm sure he's chomping at the bit to talk about it (laughs) we've been waiting we've been waiting on this one for a while well uh, i won't bite off more than i can choose talking about this topic i can guarantee you that So for the first time since 2019, the non-discount anime convention returned to uh, the local area scene. The first one, as is the case with everything as a first in the pandemic, since everything went sideways last year. The convention was canceled last year, which would have been the very first year it would have been held in its new location at the Gaylord of the Rockies uh, Hotel Resort Complex. So we had to put off the grand kickoff for a year. And it became this. So I was able to tour the facility last year, and I was able to tour again this year. Surprise, nothing changed. The building is still right where it was. The rooms look exactly (laughs) like they did. Nothing changed there. What did change was the atmosphere. And I won't say it was a change for the the worse, I should say. It was was that after, after a year, when this convention, you know, comes and goes, everybody's happy to come back and, you know, do their thing, see their costumed friends and buy their stuff in the, you know, from the vendors and participate in panels. You skip a year, everything changes because now people have been cooped up in their homes or they're working (laughs) remotely or they're doing all this stuff that uh, they have to do just so they can stay sane and not, um, let you know pandemic fever um, from not being able to visit their friends or family or enjoy just the, their own simple pursuits in life get the better of them now they're coming into this this is one of the few large scale events that has gone on uh, anywhere mm-hmm. in terms of the convention sphere San Diego Comic Con was still virtual only and the the East Coast cons were pretty much either canceled or you were doing small scale stuff or maybe you were doing like San Diego wise. This was the first big event that was going on. So there was a magnifying glass on this convention and people were ready to be here. They wanted to get out of the house reach into their fandom again and embrace that and be part of some shared experiences again that didn't involve being on a phone or a Zoom call or uh, anything like that where you can be in the same space and enjoy it. And these folks in a typical year would go to the things that they enjoy and that would be probably be it. But because it had been so long, they wanted 
everything. And they wanted to consume everything that was in sight because it had never occurred to us two years ago. This could not happen. So they wanted all of it. They wanted to see everything. They wanted to see the art and model show. They wanted to go to the Atashi car show, which was actually a first. So uh, real quick, the Atashi car show was just essentially a, a, a small car show that was inside the, uh, the grounds of the Gaylord that have, uh, we've seen, you've seen these cars before. They're just vehicle wraps of take your pick. There's, you see them, you know, either for, you know, insurance companies or local businesses that have wrapped vehicles. These were all themed in uh, anime character caricatures and comic book things and things like that. And they had a nice little display of all, you know, like a nice, but 10 or so cars outside for people to go and check out. So everything they wanted to, every, everything they could get their hands on, they wanted to experience as for me, this was my fir- my first full year as an area head over in the museum. In the museum, I took over the museum this year. I was supposed to take it over last year. Last year <laughs> didn't happen. So for the first time, I get to I get thrown into this, and it's just an eye opener because in all the years I have been I've been doing this, and yeah, it's not very many, but this was the the year that. People wanted to be in the museum and check it out because either they had never seen it before or they just wanted to experience this and say, I want to check out all of the things and do all of the things and talk about all of the things. So because the museum isn't, isn't really something that people circle on their convention calendar and say, boy, I sure want to check out that. But if you make it in, if you make it appealing enough to where people have a history that they can fall back to, which is where NDK is starting to get to now over these past few years, and and give people the opportunity to make it something they have ownership in, and say, "I was there, I remember this, remember when we did that," it builds something they can have ownership in, and. As someone who's been in the uh, in this convention for <coughs> years, uh, <laughs> that's my trick. <laughs> I ha- I have nothing to hide. It's been twenty years for me. This convention is is taken up a good, healthy half percentage of the time I've been alive. <laughs> so I can I can speak to this. With- <laughs> All right. I couldn't help it. <laughs> I can speak to a lot of the things that happened for, you know, throughout the decades. The very early stuff, maybe not so much, but the things that were, that people would say, oh, hey, remember down at this hotel and this happened? Remember when the elevators broke? Well, and then the elevators break. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you could do all of these things. And I can say, well, Here's this. I actually ended up getting into a conversation with a couple of people that um, were looking to break into uh, the, the anime industry somehow. And I forget exactly what it was they wanted to do. I talked to them for probably about a good 10 minutes and I gave them just from memory alone, the trends in costuming that I had seen since I've been part of this convention. 
I'm not sure what that's saying about the vast repository of my collective mind that can recall this and I can recall this this information which to most people may just seem like useless knowledge but for them they were hanging on every word because they were able to see he knows his stuff <laughs> and and they just were like wow this is cool and that's the, that was what made it worth it for me was to get people engaged in this so for three days it was people coming in people talking people wanting to see what this was all about again and we had on the first night we had a memorial and this is something we're doing long term now is we had a memorial that night to remember people who have passed away that were part of the, the convention family whether they were part of the staff or they were part of uh, people who were longtime attendees things like that and we had never done this before so it was a new experience for me and it was we had a health a pretty healthy uh turnout we probably had about a good 15 20 people there almost and it was you could hear the buzz of the excitement going on outside the museum room but inside it felt private it felt solemn it felt intimate it felt reverent there were a lot of tears that were shed in this and it was a really surreal experience that was taking place in the midst of all of this homecoming for all of these folks that had missed this convention meanwhile we have this collective of people who are mourning at the same time and it's a really odd juxtaposition but it was so surreal to be a part of that and we had no idea how it was going to turn out but we were very at least i was very uh, just i was left speechless with how that turned out i i have over the years gone to this convention for a multitude of reasons a memorial was never in the cards and now it's going to be going forward so as we grow and we remember people who we once shared good times with we we immortalize them in this museum now and i couldn't think of a higher honor for for this convention to remember its roots and keep its community at its core and i think that's just outstanding because it, it goes beyond the fandom it goes beyond the costumes and it goes beyond the uh, merchandise you could buy because this is something that you can't purchase but it is an experience that you will never forget So being in this atmosphere again and having that being added now to my treasure trove of memories for this convention, which has shaped and you know shaped my life to a, 
an overwhelming degree. And ha now having an active part in shaping this convention. Now my fingerprints are in it. It really made me feel at first that I didn't want the maybe praise is too strong of a word, but I didn't want the praise for creating the memorial and that atmosphere. That atmosphere doesn't belong to me specifically. I didn't build this. But I can say that uh, I helped others to participate in its, in its collaboration and growth and creation. So if I could say I had a if I shepherded it into this, into being, sure, but it's not something that I want to really feel comfortable in having people say, oh, you created this memorial. <sighs> no, I, if anything, I just created it as a sanctuary for, for people to feel. To feel things, to step and look past the costumes and everything and see people and remember who these people were and how they affected our lives. I'm going to be gone one day. We all are. And quite frankly, I'd feel a little bit weirded out if, if somebody did this for me at that museum, even though now it's kind of under my steed. Maybe I should tell them, don't do that, but... <laughs> <laughs> But just to create something that is there now that wasn't there before, I think that in and of itself means something. Because as great as this convention has been to me, and it's provided me memories and made friends and experiences which have led me to share a lot of stories, now I can kind of return the favor and help take care of it and allow other people who are coming in who were like me 20 years ago at their first convention to have that wide-eyed look and say, this place is cool and I'm coming back and I want to dress up and I want to do the, all of these things. So doing... So being in the museum, I didn't have a staff this year. So it really was just me by myself trying to do a lot of this on my own. I did have some help along the way. It won't just, I won't dare say that it was just solely on my shoulders. But for my first real, real run at running this museum as it, on my own, if I can pull that off, it just like that, having a staff, oh man, next year's going to be so much better. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I couldn't really see anything else that took place in the convention because I was in my museum room all the time. But after having a little bit of thought on it, you know, in a way that's actually very fitting because I could speak to the past and help preserve that and share it and then kind of 
bring the future as it comes in and asks these questions about how long has this convention been going on or what happened here or do you know about the attendance for this or, or things like that. So it's very fitting that this is what I do for, for that convention. I have, I have the chops for it and I have the, I have the experience for it. You can't really just pull some schlub in and, and say they can probably do this as effectively if you don't have the experience of saying, Hey, remember when the fire alarms went off seven years ago <laughs> and then the tornado warning siren. And we all had to, we, after we evacuated from the fire alarms, we all had to rush back in. So we wouldn't <laughs> die from, from the tornadoes that were, were imminent. That means something. And this convention means something to me. So it was nice to be there. It was nice to see how it was in the new place. It was nice to bring my girlfriend so she could understand why this is what I do. And when you get, when you get into it, it's just a blur. Or at least it's been a blur for the times I've been going, but more so now because I'm getting older and things are moving a little bit faster than I'm used to. <laughs> I'm not quite to Grandpa Simpson where, you know, old man yells at cloud. <laughs> but there's still a, mag a magic of this convention. And all the hotels I've been in now, which is now, let me count, four of them. There's a magic here. You just can't beat that feeling. You just can't. And I love it. I love it. And I'm looking forward to how things go next year. When I have a staff, <laughs> I've gotten the first year under my belt, and I can do even more things for the convention's 25th anniversary because I've got some plans. <laughs> so what So what kind of things were in, in this uh, museum? So we have, over the course of the last 20-some-odd years, a collection of different... Uh, program books from each year. We have samples of old convention badges or little knickknacks that were handed out certain years. Uh, we have uh, we have a staging area where our media teams can come in and conduct interviews for press. And that's actually something that I plan on taking advantage of next year when I have to do some interviews to get some stuff for the museum about its 25th anniversary. So we've got a lot of different things here. And we even have uh, uh, plaques. They're not fancy, but they're nice, uh, indicating about when uh, a certain convention took place, uh, what hotel it was in, how many people went, and a little rundown of what took place that weekend. So really is just little miniature stations of that chronicle the convention as it's grown over the years. Now that the memorial has uh, cemented its place as the cornerstone of the museum, we have a 
a short uh, Sakura Blossom tree that we have where people can memorialize their their lost uh, friends and family that went to the convention and shared times with them. And we also have the uh, the awards that we give out for the uh, anime music videos or for the uh, video game tournaments and things like that. We hold those that are there on display so people can see them. So we have we have a few different things and of course as the convention continues to grow and keep going through the years, we're just gonna keep having more and more stuff to do and and have on display. So everything is just going to continue to keep getting bigger and bigger, which sounds great in theory, but for <laughs> me that means I just have more things to keep track of. Yeah. So <laughs> So I don't want it to be too overblown because then at that point, then my title of curator then really starts to become more and more emphasized. We can't put everything out anymore. Right. So we have to really decide what we're going to put on display each year. Cool. Now, were, were you uh, able to vicariously um ex experience this year's convention through the people that were coming in and visiting or were you just too busy kind of managing the thing uh i would say i was more busy than i wasn't i took a grand total of one picture all weekend long and that just goes to show how busy i was i really I saw one of my favorite uh, Sailor Moon cosplayers the first day, and I really should have gotten that picture. This is my, my shoulda, woulda, coulda of the weekend. I didn't, and I, and I told myself, well, that person's too busy doing her thing with all of these other people, and they're doing a photo shoot. I don't want to interrupt, and I had to keep my eye on the museum. That was kind of my, my excuse I gave for myself. So that's why I only have one picture. <laughs> <laughs> And I also because they couldn't go out. I didn't have a staff to keep an eye on the museum, so I had to stick around. And um, so I couldn't see any of the other other really get in a feel of it, of the other costumes. But I did feel it was appropriate to get some pictures of me in costume because it was my twentieth year, and I've been wearing the same damn costume <laughs> for twenty years. <laughs> And I wanted to get a picture of me in it, and I did. Very nice. Cool. And I'll probably wear that costume until I stop wearing costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I may donate it to the museum when I finally am all done, but you never know. It's been uh, 20 years. Gosh. Hmm. Where the hell is time gone? <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it keeps marching on. Uh, and and I, I have had, I have loved every year I've been there. There there have been some bumpy moments. Some bumpier than others. <laughs> Going to the hospital in 2004, not fun. Uh, but there's just, I made so many friends, and unfortunately, over 20 years, you meet people and then you, you lose track of them. So out of all the people who I was who I met back then, only one of them that I am aware of uh, that I met at that time still is is there. 
So on in its in its own way, that's kind of special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not officially the last person standing out of all of the fun and hijinks I got myself involved in all those years ago. So, but it, it's fun to reminisce on on the past and think of all of those times. And it just means that now, taking care of the museum, I can still preserve that stuff. I can still preserve those moments for me, even though I'm not going to be running around and, and you know shutting down the uh, the dance floor until at, you know at 3 a.m. <laughs> I, I had to stop doing that a long time ago, but. <laughs> but I know that there's people out there that will carry the torch for me. (laughs) Next year is going to be here before I know it, and hopefully I will be ready. (laughs) I know it's a little late. I just want to mention a really quick thing. Okay, so last week, last, last time we recorded, you were talking about bad boss behavior. I want to share with you the Bad Boss Project. Ooh! Okay. This is by, look for the Mother Jones, and Phil's going to, or um, (laughs) whoever you are, Ryan's going to post this. But this is an article, this is a series about jerks, blowhards, racist, creeps, narcs, petty tyrants, tenured incompetence, uh, passive-aggressive underminers, Taylorist fussbushes, Pinkerton snoop, t- Pinkerton-ish snoops, pious liberal union killers, and sneering capital dickheads, which is to say it's a series about bosses. <laughs> so basically what this is is that it's a list. It's people who have had really bad bosses and what they did about it. And it's all anonymous um, most of it. I just want to read some of the headlines. My wife was dying of brain cancer and my boss at Amazon told me to perform or quit. Um, I worked at a prison. My boss stalked me to prove I wasn't injured. I worked in a COVID ICU. My boss told me the only snack in his office was him. Um, just a lot of really crazy, um, Some of them are funny. Some of them is just really, um, when you live with your boss, the horrors and indignities of working as an au pair. Um, my boss at Google said I got too emotional about Trump's idea for Muslim, for Muslim registry. Um, I worked at a mail carrier. My boss accused me of malicious, compli- uh, malicious compliance. Go figure that one. Um, so anyway, it's really, it's very, yeah. What is it? Malicious and compliance. Um, some nicknames for bad bosses. We heard, um, let's see if I can, Cruella. Um, it's not cooperating for me. Uh, the usurper. Snake in the crass. Um, 
just really, it's a really good article. Ryan was trying to find it, the Bad Boss Project before, and he could he kept finding blogs of just bad bosses. But this is a Mother Jones um, article, and it's a series. And I just thought, it, I saw it the day after we recorded last time, and we were talking about bad bosses. So I just wanted to mention <laughs> that, that there is, that you're not the only one to deal with it. Um, I, I told, I was talking to my, my team today because we, we do chat and I just, I said, you know, I, I told him about, you know, I'm going to record tonight and, um, I'm going to talk about the bad boss project, but nobody at my company will be mentioned because they're not bad bosses. (laughs) Um, so anyway, it was just, I have an amazing manager by the way. Um, so I just think that. It's worth mentioning, and I, I yeah. put I put the link to it in our uh, show outline, and the, so that so that you can uh, per, peruse them at, at your <laughs> at your and I'll and I'll put them and I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. And I believe that you can either you can even contribute. Maybe, I, I don't I don't know. I, I didn't read, really look into it. I didn't read the whole. I didn't make sure that that's true at the time that I read it. You could. But I don't know if they like closed it or what, because mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So that would crash the servers if they left it open. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that that you might awesome. You might uh, find that interesting. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to quit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we ran a little long. Sorry. <laughs> Before we adjourn for the night. Yes. Oh yes. Go ahead, say it. That was your cue. Oh, that was my cue? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Night, Court is com- <laughs> Night Court is actually coming back to television, and John Larroquette is going to be playing his same character as Dan Fielding. Now think about this. This is 30 years later. He was about 35, 40. Now you think about that. He's pushing 70, 75 and the same character, and it just should be interesting how that's going to play out. And then you're also looking at uh, Melissa Rausch is going to play Judge Harry Stone's daughter, and she's also going to be a judge. So I don't know the other casting. Um, when I Last time I looked at it, they hadn't announced the casting. Just John Larroquette will be, paying, will be playing his original character. I love this. I love this. I'm, I, I've, go, I've grown tired of, you know, reboots and the like, because a lot of them have just not, they haven't been for me. Mm-hmm. But Night Court was such a great, well-written show. And Dan was such a, oh, he was such a sleazeball. But, and he, and, and you know, John Larkett played him so well. Just, so I am really interested for that same reason, just like, oh, what has time done to Dan? <laughs> waiting. Old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> it's just, it's, he was such like a, he was such a womanizer. And I want to see how that plays out, if that's still part of his charm. Um, Pull my finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Uh, if that's going to be part of his charm, or if it's going to 
be non-existent. It just should be interesting to see that. Um, it's unfortunate. I don't think any of the original, any of the other original cast members are going to be a part. Um, it'd be really fun to watch Richard Mull as Bull. Yes. But then he's aging too. So think about that. So it just it, it's just going to be interesting to see what the casting looks like. Right, because uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, Mac passed away not that long ago, and mm-hmm. Harry Anderson passed away not that long ago, and I think Mar- uh, Marky Post is still. Mm-hmm. I would like her to show up. There. I would like yeah. her to be in there. Yeah. It would be interesting if she was uh, Melissa Rauch's mother. Ooh. Yeah. Because who's the mother? Yeah. That's what I want to know. So it would be really fun if it was Marky Post. It would be really yeah. It would be really fun. So those are my two. And that's coming to a network television or? What show is it? We don't know. <laughs> we don't soon. remember. Um, I want to say I want to say it's like Apple TV or it's it's one of those uh, subscription. Okay. But I'm not sure. It might be Amazon. I'm not sure, but it, it, it's one of those subscription or it's on cable. I I don't think it's okay. a. Then again, don't be surprised if it's on Fox because everything starts on Fox. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so it should be interesting. And it could be on Peacock because I think Nightcore oh, was a NBC yeah. property back in the day. Yeah, it might be on Peacock. It also, you know, you can also stream it. Um, it might end up on Hulu. I know that some NBC stuff does show up on Hulu. Um, I know that because we watch Americans Got Talent. I make Ryan watch it. He doesn't. <laughs> he's he doesn't subscribe to it. I do, but uh, we watch it together, and it's just. Um, so that one's on Hulu. So maybe Night Court will show up that way too. So look for it. I don't know when it's supposed to launch, but they are going to be doing that soon. Can't wait. <laughs> now we really and on to, that note, we really ought to wrap it up. <laughs> yes, uh, we do. Uh, we do thank you for listening or watching. And we do appreciate we appreciate any feedback, and please comment using the channels found on hovpodcast.net, and please check out our YouTube channel at bit.ly/hovpodcast underscore YouTube, all lowercase. And if you like to want to stay up to date, uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or TuneIn. And I actually did write write down some, <laughs> some show titles this time around. So, um, actually, a number of them. Um, I have uh, Big Hippie Music, Ghoulish and Spooky Things, What a Chair Was Called, That Was a Trip, Money, 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 It's the Absurdity, Malicious Compliance. Malicious Compliance. I don't know, though. I like the absurdity. 
We could do the absurdity of we could do the absurdity of malicious compliance. <laughs> I do like ghoulish and spooky things because we changed the studio name. But we didn't really cover many ghoulish or spooky things. No. No. I I like the absurdity of malicious compliance. Yeah. I think that's kinda, good. I think that's Yeah. Kind of combine those two.